Come on, church in the house. Say, this is God's word. Not Pastor Edmund's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. It's always a lamp unto our feet. It's always a light unto our path. It is quick and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will never pass away. And so, Father, we thank you today because you watch over your word to perform it. And as the word of God is launched this morning, give us hearts to receive it. Allow our minds to be renewed by it. And change, Father, our lives because your word says Jesus watches over his word to perform it. And so, Lord, we thank you for the word being deposited into good ground so that, Father, our lives can change for the better. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We're in a series called The Power of Choice. Everybody say The Power of Choice. And the goal of the series is to help you and I understand the power that choices have in our lives, the effect that these choices can have on the next generation, and then what I'm going to do along the way, everybody say along the way. Along the way, I'm going to give you some keys on how to make choices that will glorify God in your life and help produce some purpose. You know, uh, yesterday I was having a conversation with one of my nieces. Uh, This is Landon's twin, and uh, she's 11. And she asked me an interesting question. She says, Uncle Eben, can you tell me the best choice you've ever made in your life? And I'm thinking, what a question from an 11-year-old. I said, well... That was pretty easy. I said, the best choice or decision I've ever made in my life is when I made Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. And I said, here is why. I said, because when you make a good choice, a good choice positions you to make even better choices. And that's why I'm talking about making choices uh, in the series, because as you and I make choices for our lives... When we make good choices, listen to me, it creates momentum for better choices to take place in our lives. Can you say amen to that? So if you're taking notes at home or if you're taking notes in the house, our message title is Choose to Pray. Choose to Pray. And I know some of you are already thinking, well, Pastor Eben, I already know I'm supposed to pray. And to me, this is where Christianity and religion... Uh, gets mixed up because see religion it's all about what you know but Christianity is all about how you can grow it's all about growing closer to Jesus and becoming more like him and if you don't watch it you'll hear a message listening for what you know or don't know instead of listening to the message that says what can I do that will help me grow 
And so before we get into uh, our first principle, let me point out that there are different kinds of prayer, different types of prayer, and different ways to pray. I'm not going to be covering all of those in this one message, but I just wanted to point out to you the different ways and the different types uh, that we can pray. And so one of the different ways that we can pray is intercessory prayer. Everybody say intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer, and that is when we pray or when others pray on someone else's behalf. Hebrews chapter uh, 7, verse 25, they're going to put it on the screen. It says that Jesus forever lives to make intercession for the saints. So if you never think if anybody's praying for you, Jesus is always praying for you. He's always interceding. So you have intercessory prayer. And then you have the prayer of agreement. Uh, Matthew 18, 19 says, Again, if two of you touch and agree on earth as touching anything you shall ask, it shall be done of the Father which is in heaven. So you have intercessory prayer. You have the prayer of agreement. Then you have, watch this now, the prayer of faith. Everybody say the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith. This is found in James chapter 5, verse 14. He says, Is, this, is there anybody sick among you? Notice what he says. Is there any sick among you? Let him. Let him who? Let the sick person call for the elders of the church and let them who? The elders of the church pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Watch verse 15. It says, and the prayer of faith shall do what? Save the sick. Notice he says the prayer of faith. So we have the intercessory prayer, the prayer of agreement, the prayer of faith. You have the prayer of thanksgiving. You know, the Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, watch this, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Sometimes before you start prayer, he says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into the courts with, pra with praise. So sometimes when you start praying, start out with thanking God. So you have the prayer of thanksgiving. You can pray in tongues. Okay, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And praying in tongues is just using the supernatural language that God has given you by the Spirit of God to pray in tongues. And then I'm going to add one that you may not have heard of, but I'm going to add one that I'm calling scripted prayer. You say, well, Pastor Evan, what is scripted prayer? Scripted prayer is when you and I pray the Word. Most people don't get spiritual results because they don't know how to pray Scripture. And so I believe very heavily in praying the Word. Why? You say, why pray the Word? Because the Word is not going to return to God void. He's going to answer His Word. He watches over His Word to perform it. As a matter of fact, the Bible says God has charged the angels to listen, to go and minister to those who are heirs of salvation who speak His Word. So you have the prayer of thanksgiving, you have the praying in tongues, you have scripted prayer, you have the prayer of confession. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us for our sin and then cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know... But what's interesting with all these different ways and types available to us to pray, why is it that sometimes instead of choosing prayer, we choose other things? Which brings me to our, my first point. So if you're taking notes, here's point number one. You and I, we must choose to pray. We must choose to pray. What am I insinuating? That means prayer is a choice. Amen. 
this sounds like a simple truth, but in reality, if it was that simple, then you and I would choose to pray instead of choosing to worry. Amen. We would choose to pray instead of choosing to drink. I'm just talking to the people over in the lens right now. All right. Uh, if we were, you know, if we really had a grasp on this, on this truth, we would choose to pray instead of, instead of choosing to be negative. Amen. And what I want you to get out of this first point is that you and I must make prayer our choice because if we don't make prayer our choice, that means we have chosen something else. Someone say amen to that. Amen. And here's the thing. If you don't choose prayer, then we by default choose something else. Now, the verses that I'm about to read, I'm just going to read a couple of them. And they're just verses about Jesus' life. Now, I'm about to say something, and I have several take-home statements this morning. But I'm about to say something that I, I know you know, but you may not have thought about. All right? If Jesus, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, the Word of God, God in the earth for us, if he had to pray, we got to pray. I mean, think about this. If the perfect one who had never sinned before in his life, if he needed to pray, then you all know we have to pray, right? So Mark chapter 1 verse uh, 35, here's one of the instances that Jesus prayed. He chose to pray. It says, and in the morning, rising up a great while before day. Well, he done lost a whole lot of us right there. He done lost a whole lot of I'm not. I, I'm not a morning person. Well, it's really not being a morning person. It's about choosing something that will help you. He says, while it was a great way while it was morning, rising up before day, he went out. He departed into a solitary place by himself. And there he did what, class? He prayed. Wow. Did you notice that Jesus not only took time to pray, watch this, but he prioritized prayer. And the truth of the matter is, you and I will never consistently pray. We won't pray consistently until we have prioritized prayer. So here's a take-home statement that I want to give you. If you're taking notes, here it is. When prayer is not a priority, then self-dependence becomes our strength. I'm going to say that again. When prayer is not a priority then self-dependence becomes our strength. You say, well, Pastor Edmund, what does that mean? That means if you and I are not praying on a consistent basis, on a constant basis, on a regular basis, if we're not doing that, then that means we're not depending on God. And if we're not depending on God, then who do you think we're depending on? We're depending on self. Watch now Luke chapter 6 verse 12. This is Jesus praying again. It says, And it came to pass in those days that he, Jesus, went out into a mountain to do what class? He went out to pray. And then notice now, uh, it says, He went to a mountain and prayed and continued how long? Come on, Lens, who? How long? He prayed all night long. How many know that's a long time? 
I mean, when I, you know what I read? You know what song comes to my mind when I read that? Lionel Richie. All night long. Yeah, there you go. Think about that. All night? Now, you know how I know that's possible. Because some of us, before we were saved, we parted all night. Come on, raise your hand if that used to be you. Raise your hand, raise your hand. All right, raise your hand at the home. I see you, yeah, I see you, I see you. Raise your hand if you do it now. Let me see. No, no, no. He prayed all night long to God. Verse 13, and when it was day, he called, listen, when it was day, he called unto him his disciples. I want you to see a distinction here. And of them, he chose how many? Twelve who he named apostles. Notice Jesus had a big group with him. They were called disciples. But he knew he was going to have to narrow those disciples down into apostles. And you can see in verse 33 or verse 13, it says when it was day, that's when he made the separation. So Jesus spent time praying all night long. Why? Because he was about to make one of the biggest decisions of his life. And listen... Don't make major decisions in your life if you have not prayed sufficiently. And and let me add this. God will never lead you to make a decision for your life that is contrary to his word. Never. Say never. No, he won't do that. And so here's the thing. If you feel like you need to make a decision that is contrary to his word, there are two things you need to do. First of all, uh, because what happens is you have to understand you have to stay in the mode of praying. So if you don't know what to do or you feel like God is leading you to make a decision that contradicts his word, then you need to keep praying until one of these two things happen. Number one, until your circumstances change or number two, until you change. You know, sometimes God's not, he's more interested in changing us than he is the situation. Amen. And here's the sad dilemma. Most of us, we spend more time researching the medical condition that the doctor told us we had than we do, watch this, spending time in prayer about that situation. Some of you single people, now remember this is September, so I'm going to be sprinkling some married and single stuff in here. Some of you single people, you spend more time researching, you know, dating sites than you do, listen, Spending time in prayer to even determine if you should date somebody. See, I believe before you even jump in to date somebody, before you start going out with them, you, you should have spent a massive amount of time praying because it's harder to get out than it is to get in. Amen. My decision to get married was not just based on feelings. It wasn't just based on how Pastor Sarah looked. I mean, that's good too. But listen, eventually I'm going to get old. And she is too. People change, right? Well, I spent some days praying and fasting before I made that decision. In fact, there there are some people, friends that prayed and fasted with me. But some of us, we want to make decisions without praying. Listen, you'll never make good decisions if you consistently make them without prayer. Someone say amen to that. Amen. So... When we choose to pray, here's one thing that's good. There are two things. The first one is, when we choose to pray, direction is promised. 
Here's the, the second one. Or we, when we position or when we pray, we position ourselves to communicate and connect with God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and then lean not, not lean a lot, but lean not unto your own understanding. And then he says, watch this now. This is where prayer comes in. In all of your ways, not some, but in all of your ways, what does it say? Acknowledge him, watch this now, and he shall direct your path. Now, you know how they have a PSA, a public service announcement? I'm about to give you a PPA. This is a public uh, uh, pastor announcement. When you and I, if we go into prayer, watch this, trusting God with some of our heart, then the chances of only receiving some of his direction is going to be high. See, some people wonder why. Why am I not getting all the answers or a clear direction from God? The challenge is, he said, you know, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. But the verse before that says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. If you go into prayer only trusting God with some of your heart, then you're only going to get some of his direction. Let me tell you something. Trusting God can be scary, but trusting God can also be fun. Amen. All right, I'm going to read the Amplified version of uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, lean on. Everybody say, lean on. Come on at home, say, lean on. Somebody type it in the comment section, say, lean on. It says, lean on, trust in, and be confident in the Lord with all your heart and your mind, and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know, recognize, and acknowledge him, and he will direct and make straight and plain your paths. All right, here's a, t- here's, a, here's a thought. Prayer is the umbilical cord between God and us. It provides connection and communication. Prayer is like that umbilical cord. You know when a baby was born and that cord is connected from the baby's belly uh, to the mom? What was that, that cord doing? It was providing nourishment. It was providing food. It was providing life for that baby. Well, that's what prayer does. Prayer is our umbilical cord connected to God. It allows us to connect to Him and communicate with Him. And it's very important when it comes to prayer because God wants to use prayer to talk to us. He wants us to use prayer so we can talk to him. He wants us to use prayer as a dialogue continually so that we stay connected. You know, every major decision in my life, I'm going to pray for pray about it before I do it. And you all know this story, but I tell the stories because I believe sometimes these stories are going to come back in your life in a different form. You're going to remember the story and you're going to remember the principle that I followed and you're going to obey God. Well, we own 20 acres here. 14 of it is the back of us. What we built on is six of those acres. Well, we bought the 14 acres first. And this six acres was owned by a whole different set of people. This acreage, this six acres, was also connected to the eight acres next door. So it was a total of 14. They didn't want to separate the acreage. They said either buy the whole 14 or we're not selling any of it. I tried to get them to separate it and us just buy the six and they wouldn't do it. 
And I mean, I ask and I ask and I ask. You know, the Bible says, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. And then it says, knock and it shall be open, right? I kept asking, I kept knocking. And then for about, you know, about a year, I kind of laid back. And then I get a call from the broker who sold us the front land and said, Pastor Connor, do you know the, 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 the family that owned that six acres is selling it to another church? Now, see, this is the part y'all don't know. I said, what? I'm trying to figure out, well, what did that pastor say that I didn't say? He must be real convincing. So I said, he says, it's not sold yet. I said, do you have the pastor's number? I want to call him. He says, yeah. So he gives me the pastor's number, and I called the pastor. I said, uh, hey, Pastor so-and-so, you don't know me, but my name is Pastor Connor with Water Tooth Family Church. And he says, I know who you are. When he, the way he said it, I knew this was not going to be a good conversation. <laughs> Can you, you know when somebody is talking to you, and you know it's not going to be that good? So I was like, oh, my God, here we go. I said, well, it looks like you all are interested in buying some land that our church... Uh, owns the frontage to. I said, we didn't put a sign, but we own the frontage to the land that you all are looking at. And we were looking at what you're looking at. We wanted that to be an extension to our, our vision. And so we, 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 we were interested in buying it. He said, well, look like we're going to be neighbors. I was like, the devil is a lie. He's lying. He's lying. So now I'm mad. Because let me tell you what I did. See, this is integrity. This is, this is backstory stuff. So remember we had our big, you know, uh, groundbreaking ceremony. And I took, gave everybody some, uh, a little box to put some dirt in. And I had took some oil and, and, you know, anointed the land and declaring that this land, you know, God was going to bless it and all that. Well, we did that for the 14. Because if you may not remember, that's why we were so far off the, off the road. Because the six acres wasn't ours. And the devil told me. Go ahead and pull that land on the six too. You know it's yours. And I was like, no, I'm not saying that I couldn't have done that. But I knew that the motive behind that wasn't right. So I didn't do that. So now the pastor's on the phone talking about we're going to be neighbors. And they bought that land. And the Lord had told me when we bought the 14 that this was ours too. So now me and the Lord, I got to take that up with him. See, because some of you all are, you're wrestling with flesh and blood when you should be wrestling with principalities. So I didn't, I didn't fight with the guys. I was like, you know, long story short. And fast forward. Year goes by. Year and a half goes by. I get a call from the same broker that sold us that land and said, Pastor Connor, the, the family wants to know, you know that six acres you wanted to buy? I said, yeah. He said, they want to know if you're still interested in buying it because it looked like the church that bought it, uh, they're like six months behind on their payments and they want to know if you want to buy it. Well, how many know what my answer was? I said, don't go to yes. Now here's where prayer comes in. I prayed, I said, Lord, what, what you want us to pray for that, pay for that land? Because they were asking $450,000, which was, by the way, a, a good price. I mean, for, for the market and everything, it was a good price. I said, Lord, what you want us to pay? I'm thinking the Lord's going to say something like, you know, 425 maybe 400 You know, that's still not bad. The Lord just bust out and say $325,000. I said, what? Church, that's $125,000 off an already good price. 
Now, before I prayed about it, the, the broker had asked me, Pastor, what do you want to offer? I said, well, let me, get, let me pray and get back with you. And when the Lord told me $325,000, I, I didn't want to call the broker back. But I called him. Uh, no, uh, no, the first day he called, I, I avoided his call. Voicemail. Second day, voicemail. Third day, I'm like, okay, I got to tell him. So I get up the phone. He says, Pastor Connor, did you pray about it? I said, yeah, I, I prayed about it. He said, what price you want to offer him? I said, $325,000, and it was just quiet on the phone. I know what he's thinking because I'm thinking it. He's like, Pastor Connor, it's already a good price at where it is. I said, I know, but the Lord told me $325,000. He said, okay. So we started negotiating. No, 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 no. I mean, it was almost like an insult. You, an insult? You, 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 $125,000 off? I mean, that was a hundred less than what the church paid for it. I was like, so finally, we got in negotiation. I said, finally, listen. I said, listen, we're all Christians. I said, the only way this deal is going to work is if we all obey God. God told me $325,000. I can't go past that with a good conscience. That's what I said. So then they said, well, if God told you, if God told you $325,000, Pastor Connor, then you have to pay us cash. I was like, can you, can you run that by me again? Because what we had planned on, I was, we were going to give them like 20% down and just pay payments, just like the other church did. But now he done challenged what the Lord done told me. If you're going to pay three twenty-five, you got to give us cash. And man, I was like, oh my God. So when I hung up the phone, I said, Lord, what are we going to do? He said, you're going to write the check. It's not like we didn't have the money, but I had never written a $325,000 check in my life at one time. I was so nervous. And so I told Pastor, Pastor Lisa, you got to sign it too, so we both can just go to jail if we have to. <laughs> no, it wasn't like that. But I did make her sign the check too, though. It was too much money. No, over a certain amount, two signatures. Right? What's the point? The point is, I chose prayer. Here's point number two if you're taking notes. And that is, prayer has the power to change. Prayer has the power to change. And there are three areas that prayer has the power to change. Here's the first area if you're taking notes. Prayer has the ability to change situations. Prayer has the ability to change situations. I got a phone call not too long ago from one of our staff's uh, relatives. It's, it's their aunt and their aunt. I met their aunt before and their aunt uh, said that I was like her son. So, you know, I really like her. So uh, I got a call that this particular lady was in the hospital because of COVID. She had COVID. She was on a ventilator and it didn't. I mean, the person that called me, I could tell that faith was diminishing really fast. So, so they called me to pray for her. I said, listen, okay, before I pray with you, because I got to pray the prayer of agreement, before I do that, I had to pump some faith into them. So I started talking about the ability of God's Word and how His Word has the ability to heal. And the Bible says that He sent forth His Word and healed them. I, so I started talking, we don't have to be there. I know the hospital won't let us come see her or, or can't touch her, but the Word can come regardless of where she is. The God can use the Word and travel wherever she is. I said, that's what we're going to do. We're going to agree. And the Bible says if two of us agree, we can have whatever we say. And I prayed the prayer of agreement. I cursed that COVID in Jesus' name. And next thing you know, I get a phone call the next day. Ventilators off. 
Then I get a call by the end of the week. Hey, guess what? She was on her way home. Guess what? Right now she's home. She's fine. She's healed in Jesus' name. Because prayer has the ability to change situations. Let's go to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. Prayer has the ability to change situations. This was Peter now. And Peter had got put in jail. I'm going to quickly read this. It says, Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to trouble the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, when he got Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him. All right? He had soldiers inside and outside the, the prison. Verse 5. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer, but prayer, but prayer was made without what class? Without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and the keepers before the door kept the prison. Verse 7 says, And behold, the angels of the Lord came to him and a light shined in the prison and hit Peter on his side and said, Raise up, get up, Peter, rise up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. And then the angel said, Get up, gird yourself, bind on, put on your sandals. See, I'd have kept all my clothes on. I mean, Peter had gotten comfortable in prison. Dude took his shoes off. Dude took his robe off. Oh, no, no, no. We're not taking nothing off. I'm going home in Jesus' name. So it says, and gird up yourself. And so he did. And then verse 9, it says, and he went out and followed him. He's following this angel, not knowing where he was going and not knowing that it was an angel. And verse 10 says, and when they were, were past the first and the second war, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city. And listen, watch what happened. And it opened unto them at its own accord. And so they went out and they passed through the street. And forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter came to himself, he says, Oh, I know for a surety that the Lord has sent his angels and delivered me out of the hand of Herod. And then verse 12, it says, And, and as he thought about this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John. See, this is the house that they were praying at. And then in verse 13, it says, And Peter knocked on the door of the gate, and a damsel, a girl, came named Rhoda. And when she, she knew it was Peter's voice, she didn't even open the gate. She was so excited. She ran back in and said, hey, Peter's at the gate. And they didn't even believe her. Watch, they said, you're mad, you're crazy. But then she constantly affirmed it. And they said, hey, maybe it's his angel. And then verse 16, it says, Peter kept knocking on the door. And they saw him and they were all astonished. Watch this. Why? Because the Lord had brought him out of prison. What brought him out of prison? prayer did they chose to pray prayer changes situations god delivered peter because of prayer here's a take-home thought that i want you to think about if you have gotten this far in your life with the prayer life you have how much better could your life be if your prayer life increased I'm going to say that again. If you have gotten this far, if your business has gotten this far, if you have elevated this high in corporate America, if you have done this well with the prayer life you have, how much better would your life be if you just increase your prayer life? So number one, I said prayer changes situations. Here's number two if you're taking notes. Prayer has the ability to change God's mind. Now, this is deep right here. 
Prayer has the ability to change God's mind. Watch this now. 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 1. I know I'm reading a lot of scripture. It says, In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And the prophet came to him, Isaiah, and said, Hey, you son of Amos. He says, Thus says the Lord. In other words, whatever the Lord's about to say is going to happen. He says, Set your house in order, for you're about to die and not live. Then he turned. Watch what he did. Watch what, watch what Hezekiah did. He turned his face to the wall. And he did what, class? Come on through the lens. What did he do? Come on, one more time. What did he do? He prayed unto the Lord. And he says, I beseech you, O Lord, remember now how I've walked before you in truth and with a perfect heart. And I've done that which was good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept before the Lord. Can I just point something out? Notice he prayed before he wept. See, we get bad news, we cry, and then we pray. No, no, no. Why don't you pray and then cry? The Bible says he prayed and then he wept and then it says and it came to pass before isaiah the prophet got out of the middle court the word of the lord came to him and said go back and tell hezekiah the captain of my people thus saith the lord god the god of your father david i have heard your prayer i have seen your tears and behold i will heal you and on the third day you will go into the house of the lord and in addition to healing you i am going to add 15 years to your life hezekiah's prayer changed god's mind god told him he was gonna die and now his prayer changed God's mind. Okay, I'm going to give you another example because some of y'all are looking like, oh, I didn't know that could happen. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah? The city that Lot was living in. And God got tired of how they was living. So God came to Lot, I mean to Abraham and said, listen, I'm going to destroy that city. And Abraham said, now you just go back and read the story. Abraham said, uh, well, Lord, uh, uh, would you not destroy the city if there are at least uh, 15 righteous people in the city? And God said, okay, okay, just 15, all right. Well, if you can find 15 righteous, then I won't destroy the city. And then, then Abraham said, oh, well, well, what if it's just 14? And do you know he got God all the way down to like five? I mean, he just kept negotiating, negotiating. In other words, what I want you to know is that his prayer, when he was talking to God, God was changing his mind. Now, let me say something so you won't get it misunderstood. Prayer can change God's mind, but it will never change his word. I'm going to say that again. Prayer can change God's mind, but prayer will never change the principles in his word. In other words, you, you, God told you, no, don't date that man. He's not saved. The Bible says, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers, singles. So you continue to pray. Lord, can you change your mind? Can I date him? Lord, can you change your mind? I'm going to pass it. said, I can change God's mind with prayer. Lord, I need you to change. Lord, change it. Lord, help me. Lord, I want to, oh, God, help me. Oh, you know, I, it's better to marry than the bird, God. I need you. I need, I need you. Oh, Lord, I need you. God is not going to change the Bible because of your prayer. Here's the third thing prayer has the ability to change. Prayer has the ability to change me. Wow. I'm going to summarize this story. Acts chapter 10, verse 9. This is when Peter was praying on the housetop. He was fasting and praying. And he's up there praying. And he's praying. And God gives him a vision. And in this vision, uh, uh, 
Look in verse 11. This is uh, Acts 10, 11. And he saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending down. And it was like a big sheet. Okay? And verse 12 says, And, and he saw all manner of four-footed beasts on the earth. And then verse 13 says, A voice came to him and said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, No, 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 not me, Lord. Because he was a Jew. Jews couldn't eat certain types of animals. He said, oh, oh, no, no, not me, Lord. And uh, he said, because I've never eaten anything that is, that is, that's common or unclean. And the voice said to him again a second time, what God has cleansed, don't call uh, common. And it, this happened three times in verse 16. And then Peter woke up from the dream. And then watch this now. Now God sent some Gentiles to Peter for Peter to preach the gospel to. And in verse 18, watch what it says now. In fact, verse 18 says, uh, while Peter thought on this vision, well, in verse 18, and called and said, Peter, and when Peter saw the vision, Peter came down in verse 21, and then I love verse 28. It says, and he said unto them, no how that is, and it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto the, uh, one another of a different nation. Watch this. But God, I want you to notice now, prayer had the ability to change Peter. He said, but God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. In other words, prayer changed Peter from being a prejudiced person unto a non-prejudiced person. And see, let me tell you something, world. Let me tell you something, church. Listen, don't make forgiveness political. Don't make uh, equality political. Don't make none of that race. Listen, I know you can think what you want to think, but the Bible says we've all come out of one blood. We've been this. Listen, we've been created by one God and we are all human race. And the only thing that can cure prejudice and racism is Jesus. You can put a law in place. Laws are good. But laws don't change the heart. That was just free for somebody who needed a political encouragement. Here's my last point, point number three. When we choose to pray, we must choose to say. When we choose to pray, we must choose to say. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. Watch this now. This was Zacharias, who was the dad of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the guy that did all the baptizing. Y'all know these Baptist churches, Ebenezer Baptist Church, Zion Baptist Church, all these Baptist churches, it came because of John the Baptist, okay? And so John was, uh, this was his dad ministering in the the priest office. So we're picking up the story in verse 5. It says, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abijah. That just means that there was a time frame that this this group called Abijah that they served in the in the uh, in the uh, the priesthood, and so this was now Zechariah's turn to serve. And then it says he was of the wife of the daughters of Aaron, whose name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments of the Lord. And verse seven it says, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his, of his course, verse 9 says, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot or his job was to burn 
burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude, all the people, were praying outside of the temple while he was doing this. Verse 11 says, Then there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And, and, and when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell on him. Watch verse 14 or 13. But the angel said, Fear not, Zechariah. Watch this now. I want you to read this with me, class. For thy prayer is... Come on, let's say it together. For thy prayer is... Come on through the lens. For thy prayer is... Okay, so that tells me that Zechariah was doing what? He was praying. He says, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth is going to bear a son and you shall call his name John and you will have joy and gladness and many shall rejoice at his birth. Watch verse 15. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. He shall not drink uh, 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 Jack Daniels or he won't drink... uh, uh, I don't know some other drinks right now. It's not uh, Boone's Farm Apple Wine. But he will be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. Watch verse 16. And many of the children of Israel will turn to him, and he shall go before them in the spirit of the power of Elijah. And then verse 18, let me show you Zacharias' response, which is my point. That is, uh, if you choose to pray, you have to choose to say, because watch what he says. Verse 18, Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? I'm an old man. My wife is old too. And the angel of the Lord answered and said unto him, I am Gabriel that stands in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and show you these glad things. Verse 20, and behold, you're going to be dumb. In other words, I'm going to shut your mouth, and you won't be able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because you did not believe my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. Here's the thing. You, listen, if you're going to say, if you're going to pray it, you got to say it. And here's the problem with most people. What they say and what they pray don't match up. And that's why they never see what they pray, because what they say doesn't match up with what they pray. And it was so important, God said, i got to shut this man's mouth up. Sometimes the biggest change God wants to make is not our circumstances as much as it is us. And if we're going to take the time to pray, church, we must also be conscious of what we say. Here's a take-home statement that I want you to write down. If what you say doesn't match what you pray, then what you say voids out what you pray. Why do you think he shut Zechariah's mouth? And so here you are praying, Lord, I need you right now. You know my check was short Friday, and I don't know what I'm going to do. But I know your word says you will supply all of my need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So, Lord, I thank you for meeting the need that you know I have in Jesus' name. Wow, great prayer. And then your girlfriend called you. Said, hey girl, I'm just checking on you. How you doing? I was praying about you this morning. The Lord just, I just felt he, he wanted me to call you. Girl, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm telling you, my check was short. You just voided everything you prayed about. Maybe your present hasn't been answered because what you saying not only doesn't match what you saying, but you saying more of what you seeing than you are from what you said in prayer. So how do we apply this? Because my goal in this message is to push you to pray more. You know, my life used to be 80-20. 80% 
I mean, I'm a word guy all my life. I know the word. I'm then I pray the word. And so 80% of my time was word, 20% prayer. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Right now, 50-50. 50-50. And you're going to have to make a choice. You say, well, Pastor Edmund, what, what, what do I do all that time? Well, here's application number one. Set you a time to pray every day. Set you a time. If you don't set a time, the chances of you praying... It's void. You, you, if you don't have a time, get your calendar out. You, 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 you check everything else. You got a watch to tell you how many steps you done took. Girl, I took 1,028 steps today. You got a watch to tell you how many steps you done made. You got a watch to tell how many minutes of, of, of your heart is beating. Girl, you, you know everything, right? Set a time for you to pray every day, number one. Number two, set a place for you to pray. So your mind, your heart, your will knows that when I get to this spot, your body knows what it means. I pray at the same place every day. Now, when wintertime comes, I have to change that because I pray outside. So when wintertime comes, I'm going to have to change my location. But for right now, that's where I pray, right? So you want to set a place. Here's number two. Set an amount of time that you're going to pray. That's right. I said it. Pray. I wonder how our lives would look if we spent the amount of time in prayer that we do on Facebook and Instagram and social media. All you got to do is check your screen time. You know they send you that, right? Come on now. How many have ever checked your screen time? How long you been? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next time you look at your screen, ask yourself, have I been prayed that? Have I prayed that much? So set some time. Let me encourage you. Start with a time. I ain't going to tell you what time. Start with a time because I ain't going to tell you what I do because you'll feel bad. I'm not going to do that. But I want you to set a time. And whatever time you set, let's say you say 10 minutes. I'm going to pray for 10 minutes. Take at least half of that to pray in tongues. Half. I'm talking to somebody through the lens. Take at least half. Because some things you just don't know what to pray about and how to pray about it. But tongues take care of all that for you. Pray. Put your clock on. Pray in tongues. If you don't know how to pray in tongues, go to the website. Go to the message section. Put tongues in the search bar and four, five lessons will come up. Listen to them in order and you'll learn how to speak in tongues. Here's number four. After you set, uh, number three, after you set a time to pray, number four, you're going to just pray. Ain't no use going through all that if you're not going to do it right. And then after you pray, be still and listen. And then the last thing, write down what God says to you so you can remember it, so you can research it, and so you can obey it. And so I believe God wants us all to rededicate ourselves to prayer. How many could pray better, pray more? Raise your hand if you can pray. How many through the lens you could pray more? Just type it in there and say, Pastor, I, I'm pretty sure I could pray more. Well, you know what? Let's rededicate our life to that today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here, even through the lens, if you're watching, just bow your heads right there. I want to start with a recommitment to prayer. You know, God... We're only, he's a gentleman. He's a heavenly father that 
won't push you to do anything. But I believe it will come to him and just say, you know what, Lord, my, my prayer life is not where I want it. Today I'm recommitting myself to prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for those who are watching and those who have decided to recommit their lives. If you're watching through the lens, just type in there, I decided to recommit my life to prayer today. And Father, I just declare in Jesus' name that their recommitment is going to spark action. And that action, is, Father, is going to produce a connection. That connection is going to produce some intimacy. And that intimacy out of that, Father, all the answers that they need in life are going to come from that. And so, Lord, we thank you for looking forward to fellowshipping with us like never before. In Jesus' name. With every head still bow, there are some people maybe in the room and there are some people watching through the lens. Here's my question. If you died today, are you 100% sure you'd get...